Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Tony D. Tony is a dating and lifestyle coach at Absolute Ability. He's also the author of two books, A Thousand Tiny Failures, Memoirs of a Pickup Artist, and I Hope It's Sunny Out, A Guide to Meeting Women in the Day. Tony, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hi, thanks for having me. So Tony, can you tell me a little bit about kind of your background, what you do, how you got into this stuff? Yeah, well, sure. Well, actually, back in about 2006, um, I, I was struggling with some, some major, really serious self-esteem issues. Um, I actually had a condition called gynecomastia for most of my young adult life, which is enlargement of the breast glands in, in the male. And so I had boobs. I had boobs kind of reminiscent of that guy from Fight Club, um, Robert Paulson. Um, they weren't quite that big, but it, it was still something that affected my self-esteem quite deeply. I also came from a broken home. I was raised by a single mother in a small town, a middle-class neighborhood, and I wasn't really taught anything about masculinity or self-confidence. You know, my mom and my sisters basically just told me to just be nice and be myself. And I've always, always been fascinated by women. I mean, I've always been immensely attracted to women ever since I, you know, hit puberty, fantasized about women. But, um, you know, like a lot of guys, I lacked the skills to actually attract them. And, and so what happened was when I was 27 years old, around 2006, I, I got a surgery and got my chest dealt with. And that increased my self-esteem quite a bit, but I still didn't know how to get the women. So I saw a documentary on TV, and it was about pickup artists. It was a documentary called Charm School. And the, the dating coach named Juggler, Wayne Elise Juggler, he took three guys. One was really fat, one was really tall, and one was really short. And he took them out, and he taught them what we now call pickup or game. And it blew my mind. Uh, I, I saw the value of these teachings right away and I didn't doubt it. And the very next day I went out and I tried approaching my first girl on the street outside of my house and it was terrifying and humiliating. And, um, you know, that was the start of my journey. After that, I moved to Montreal because I wanted to move into an environment where I could practice and change myself without being judged by my friends and family who mostly thought my new hobby was really strange. And they liked me just the way I was, but I said, no, I'm going away. And so I moved to Montreal, and I actually went out seven days a week, seven nights a week, and I just hit on as many women as I could, and I was kind of bad at it. But it was a lot of fun, and eventually I started getting a lot more confidence. The anxiety went away slowly but surely, and um, because I'm a writer, I came out of a journalism background. I wrote down my entire process, my entire transformation on these forums, the men's self-help forums. Back then it was fat. Uh, the one I posted on mostly was fatseduction.com, which is where Neil Strauss started. Um, and a lot of these famous pickup artists like mystery and stuff. And I became kind of a figure in these forums because of my writing. And, um, after a year and a half in Montreal, um, I was dating quite a few attractive women. I had really changed my life. I had changed my entire way of being and my entire philosophy on, on life. I became a much more positive person, a happier person. I did better 
at work, whenever I got a job, I got promoted faster. Um, I, I started having better relations with my friends. And as you know, you know, to become good with women, you have to do more than just approach women, but you have to actually improve yourself. So I got into self-improvement and I ended up interning for a dating coaching company in Vancouver, BC. I didn't really like the way this guy ran the company. I didn't think he really cared about his clients and he had me teaching his clients while he charged them thousands of dollars and paid me nothing. So I just thought, you know, maybe I can do this a bit better and make a few extra dollars. And my very first boot camp back in 2009, I did for myself. I charged like $400 and my client was the, a major care, uh, leader in, in a very um, well-known company in Vancouver, a telecommunications company. And he paid me $400 and he said, you know what, I would, you did a really good job. I would pay you a lot more money to do this. And at the time I was working in restaurants as a, as a bus boy actually in my thirties, my early thirties. And I, I just started charging more money. And now five years later, I am one of the most experienced coaches in, in Canada. I, I don't think there are many guys operating out of this country that are more experienced at teaching um, cold approach pickup, day game, night game, and self-improvement than myself. Yeah, that's awesome, man. For guys who are looking to improve this area of their life, how long should it take to learn? Yeah, well, like, it's different for, for everybody, but there are some similarities in the development process. I found for myself getting over the approach anxiety, which is most men's fear, that, that those heart palpitations, the sweating palms, the stuttering, the not knowing what to say, that the fear that locks you up so your feet don't even move to approach that woman that you want to meet. Um, that's not that hard to deal with. I mean, it's kind of akin to jumping off a cliff. Like if you jump off a cliff enough times, eventually you're doing backflips. But the very first time you're looking down there and, and every instinct is saying, no way, don't even think about it, you know. But once you uh, un unwire those parts of your subconscious and replug them into new pathways, it becomes really easy. So I'd say for myself, it was about three months, three months of going out seven nights a week um, and just getting over my fear. And it was really, really tough for me because I was a hard case. But after about three months, I wasn't really terrified of approaching people anymore. I was still nervous about it and still had bad days, but... Um, but then I would say to really eradicate it, to get to that point where I really didn't care what people thought about me. I wasn't that great at it yet, at being charming and approaching women and getting dates. I was pretty good at it, but about two years, I would say, is usually the average for most people. And to become really good, to become like a professional, let's say, seducer or, um, you know, just a really charming guy who can approach women anytime, who can dominate social situations and have everybody just listening to what they have to say. I mean, four years. It's like going to university. It really is. And I don't know many guys who are really great at this stuff, who really transformed themselves, who didn't spend at least four years working on themselves. Four years, I mean, it's a pretty big chunk of time. And I would argue, and you'd probably argue that it's worth spending uh, spending some serious time investing this area of your life, how often does somebody need to go out uh, or how many times do they need to approach somebody to kind of get to these desired outcomes? Yeah, well, you know, it depends on what people want because with the seduction information, I mean, a lot of it is female psychology. Those were the early products, like a lot of the early products like David D'Angelo and, and stuff like that, double your dating. They just gave us philosophies like cocky, funny, don't put women on a pedestal, um, you know, don't be needy. 
things like this, learn how to express yourself, take up space. And this changed my life. I mean, right away, I started acting differently around women and I started getting a lot more attention from them because of that, from just being a little bit more assertive. But to actually be able to cold approach beautiful women, I'm not talking about like, you know, your average girl who you might settle for. (laughs) I mean, like the women I wanted were the ones that were like, would be considered out of my league because I wanted to have that life experience. Now, if a guy really wants that, you know, and he, and he considers himself an average guy, I mean, it's going to take a lot of work. There's no easy way to transform yourself. But I've got people coming to me from all walks of life. I've had people who are multimillionaires, self-made millionaires in their early 30s. I've had, you know, 18-year-old virgins. I've had 41-year-old um, hard-case virgins who are really socially awkward. So it really depends on where you are in your own life already, like socially. um, You know, are you in good shape? Do you look good? Do you have money? So you have this inner game, this inner confidence. There there are so many variables, as you know. But the great thing about being a human is that I really think that a lot of people are, I hate to say it, kind of robotic in that you can, when I look at a client, all I, and I get to know the client a little bit, I just see certain bars, almost like experience bars in a video game. So there's his fashion and grooming. There is his ability to improvise verbally, to come up with things to say. There is his positive outlook, and I see where that is out of 10, and then I know I can just increase this bar a little bit and increase that bar a little bit and get him results. Yeah, I mean, you're talking a lot about traits of really an attractive person, right? How do you build yourself into kind of a more attractive person? Well, like today I was at the gym, you know, and I'm not like the athletic guy. I didn't come out of high school being like head of the sports teams. You know, I was the guy who smoked pot under the bleachers and listened to to punk rock music. But, you know, um, today, you know, I'm 36 years old now, but I'm still going to the gym now. I'm trying to go every day. Every day I'm reading books. Every day I'm trying to do something social. I'm trying to get in touch with my family. I'm an author and I'm a writer and writing is very important for me. So I think creating art of any type is very important to be a well-rounded human. So for myself, I choose to write and, you know, work on my novels and whatnot. But the funny thing is, you know, to get, to get women in your life, to get hot women, you don't have to be all, you don't have to have a well-rounded like life and you don't really even have to be a good person. Like you can be a total douchebag and just be an alcoholic drug abuser and just party a lot and hit on as many women as possible and be very aggressive. So I think a lot of the pickup stuff um, is really promoting night game. So that's going out a lot and just um, do playing the numbers game. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either because I do think that everybody, especially young, younger men should experience uh, debauchery when they're younger and get that out of the way. Just the way women experience debauchery when they go out and, you know, YOLO, and uh, have their party too, you know. But at some point, you, you if you if you follow go down that path, um, you'll just become an alcoholic sex addict. So, like myself, I have to become a well-rounded, good person. Otherwise, you know, I'll end up killing myself. So, uh, you know, just from the health aspect of going out a lot and partying a lot. But that's why I got more into teaching guys how to meet women in the daytime. In you know the last two years I've been teaching is because you know you don't have to stay out really late and it's not so hard on your health and uh, you can still do things to make yourself a healthy guy instead of staying out really late and partying. Recently, one of my interns asked me because I was talking about some of the same things that you're talking about now, and 
he said, is it bad? I just, I want to go out and hit on lots of girls. And I'm like, no, you're 21. This is what you're supposed to do. I mean, this is normal. Like your hormones are going as high as they will ever go. You are learning about these new experiences. You're getting your first dating and sexual experiences. That's going to create a high. Like you're doing what's normal for your age in the same way that girls your age are running around and, and drinking too much and, and doing sabotaging relationships. It's not good, but we learn I uh, like the title of your book, right? A Thousand Tiny Failures. We learn through trial and error. And what you're doing is learning enough from these experiences and to, to evolve into the type of man you want to be, especially in your younger years, that can attract a, the, a minimum level, the type of woman that you want in your life. But these are really important ideas. Can, can you talk a little bit about meeting women in the day? Because I know that has been a, a major shift for you in the last few years. Yeah, well... You know, a few years ago, the concept of day game, you know, became very popular. There are, you know, other companies like Simple Pickup, and uh, they were showing a lot of video footage of them meeting women in the daytime on the beach and whatnot. And some of my, a lot of my clients were like, do you teach day game? And, you know, as a young entrepreneur who doesn't want to go work in the restaurants, I was like, yeah, sure, I can do anything, right? My very first time, I did a direct approach. And a direct approach is just walking up to a female and saying something along the lines of, hi, I just thought you were really pretty and I wanted to meet you. Hi, I'm Tony. The first time I did that, I said, just watch me, guys. I'll do a demonstration. And I started walking because I'd only done so much night game. My heart was pounding. I had approach anxiety again after, and I'd been teaching already for two years, but only night game, right? So my heart was pounding, and I went up there to this woman, and I said, you know, I just thought you were pretty and I had to meet you. And um, my heart was thump, 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 thump. And she said, oh, thank you. And she just looked at me and said, oh, thank you. And then at that point, I, I just stopped. And I said, you know what? I don't usually get nervous talking to, to women, um, but you are making my heart beat. And I said, check it out. And I took her hand and I put it on my chest and she could feel it going like thump, thump, thump. She went, oh, my God. She's like, you don't have to be nervous around me. And um, so I learned really quickly that I really liked day game because, you know, you don't have uh, – competition, you don't have the the unattractive female friend dragging, uh, you know, dragging the girl you're trying to pick up away. I think, like, going out at night is really fun. It's it's a blast. Um, when you get good at, uh, when you get over your approach anxiety and you start to get some skills, it can be really heartbreaking and it can also be really, you know, invigorating. But day game, it's kind of like it's always sort of just above awesome. Like, it's never too dramatic, and it's never too hard on you. It's like, you know, in my city, uh, I live in Vancouver, B.C. I've taught in a lot of other cities like San Diego, Dallas, Phoenix, and a lot of these American um, cities that are very much car culture, and they don't really have dense urban center cores for the, in the daytime. And uh, I hate, I don't really say I hate it, but I don't like teaching day games that, that much in those places because in Vancouver, Toronto, or Montreal – and I'm sure New York is like this as well. You have dense urban centers, and it's really, really easy to meet women in the daytime because there's so many of them, right? Like I can turn around on the street in Vancouver, and I, if one woman doesn't give me the time of day or thinks I'm a douchebag, I can just go over to the next one, and she thinks I'm a sweetheart, you know? So uh, day game's great. When I get off work from teaching, I go straight home and, um, you know, do the things I like to do and I don't have to sail till 4 a.m. And a lot of my clients, I found that most of them love day game, and they get faster results from day game, results meaning they get dates. Women are very impressed by men who can walk up to them and just go direct. Can you talk about some of your strategies? Because I think most guys probably spend a lot more of their life 
at the bank, in lines, at the grocery store, walking to and from a place than they do in bars and clubs. So naturally, it makes more sense uh, in a lot of ways to, to kind of focus on day game. And I agree with you, um, night game, like going out at night is a lot of fun, but learning to approach people through everyday life is probably where most of the men are going to spend most of their time and meet most of the women, I'm assuming, unless you don't ever leave your house, which <laughs> yeah. is which is another issue. So can you talk about maybe some of the strategies that uh, guys who are listening to this can use to be more effective during the day or just in general? Yeah, absolutely. It's n- it's not hard. Um, the hard part comes from your, your own brain, you know, stopping you. But I had actually... For guys listening, I do have a day game book called I Hope It's Sunny Out, which was mentioned, and it's only $5. It's not like I'm, like, buy my $300 program. It's 5 bucks, And all of my steps are explained in there to get you started day game. Um, but basically, so you see a woman walking down the street. The easiest attempt for a newbie is to look for a girl you find attractive who's by herself walking down the street. I like to get about 45 degrees ahead of her, look over my shoulder, and say Hi. When I say hi, it forces eye contact. She looks at me, and she'll usually say hi back most of the time. With me, it happens all the time, but with some of my students, sometimes their vocal tonality is not right or something. Their, uh, their projection, their energy isn't right. But for me, they'll look, and they'll say hi. This is where I put my hand out, and I put it on their shoulder. And I said, I just saw you, and I thought you were really cute, and I had to meet you. I say a lot of things, but this is what I teach my clients when they're on day one. The reason I get them to touch the shoulder is for a lot of reasons. Um, this freaks out a lot of guys. They can't believe that you can make physical contact in the daytime. And some of the things I do in the daytime, like I'll spin girls around, just huck them over my shoulder, do all kinds of funny things. But for a newbie, hand on the shoulder. It creates uh, a feeling of trust. It, it builds a physical connection. It shows you're a sexual being. It shows you're confident. It also sets the distance so you're not too far away or too close. So after the hands on the shoulder and she stops, your next step, I've broken this down into four steps. Day game for newbies and four steps. Number one is Kino. You have to get Kino, which is the touch, the kinesthetic touch in every single interaction, no matter what if you're a newbie. Because I'm standing behind my client, and if he doesn't, I'm going to give him shit. Number two is the one out of ten rule. Out of ten approaches, if you go all the way to try to close, that's like asking for the phone number. At least one out of ten in day game is usually going to give you her number. So no, you can't get too depressed about two or three approaches that don't go well because I've seen the empirical data and it's just that, that's the way it is. Some girl's going to be stoked on you. Even if you're nervous and you're stuttering and you don't know what to say, some girl's going to give you her number. The third one is stay in set for two minutes. Even if you don't know what to say, I don't care if you're talking like, how's the weather today? Where are you from? All the things that the, if you read too many pickup books from the past, they say don't ask boring questions. But in day game, um, if you're learning the fundamentals, it's much more important to come off as normal than to be this like really entertaining uh, PUA guy who's super in state and in the Nimbus. It doesn't matter. Just ask her like what she's doing today, where she went shopping, you know, what she likes to do for fun. So stay in set for two minutes. And the fourth one is always be closing. Just do your ABCs. If she's like, I have to go, you say, oh, I understand you have to go. What's your number? I'll text you later. If she says, I have a boyfriend, you go, oh, that's cool. I hope that's working out for you. Okay, what's your Facebook? No matter what, you're always closing. So with those four steps, actually, um, I really go over this a lot in my book. It, it takes a lot of the bullshit that the pickup artist community has created. Like They've created a lot of these products that are really, really complex and confusing to a lot of guys. 
And that's why I, I, in my program, I, I broke it down to four steps. And after the guys have those fundamentals, then we can go play around with things like role-playing, push-pull, and cold reading. But that stuff's really irrelevant in the beginning. So for a newbie, see the girl, you go, you get 45 degrees, get eye contact because women and humans are visual creatures and they need to see that you're not a threat. You give a direct compliment, make some keynotes, stay in set two minutes, and number close. Or go on an instant date. And that's what I do with my clients for like four hours a day. We just do that all day long until they become almost, uh, it's almost like a normal thing for them to do. Not a big deal. Dating coach Chris Luna here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchrisma.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. I think this sounds great to a lot of the guys who are listening to this, but a lot of the guys who are listening to this, I know, get nervous. And they get nervous, especially around women they find the most attractive. When they're in situations that they see a woman that they find attractive, they want to approach her, but they're feeling nervous, what should they do? Thought causes anxiety. And so... What you want to do is learn how to control your own thoughts because your thoughts will stir up your emotions. Your thoughts and emotions, when they become like a hamster in a wheel running out of control, that'll actually affect your body. And that's when you'll get the stutter, d- 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 stutters. That's when you'll get the sweating. That's when you'll get the weird eye contact darting all over the place. That's when you get guys that are playing with their fingers and doing weird things with their hands. And, and, when I see a newbie who who's really has a lot of anxiety, he looks like a, a broken robot that's shaking with sparks coming out of him. What, first of all, you have as a coach, I have to let them know it's going to be okay. We're going to do this over and over, and it's going to go away. And I think a lot of new guys, they, it's like almost like they don't want to believe that. Like they'll look, I'll tell that to them. They'll look at me almost like a like a stun gun just hits them in the forehead. Like they want me to give them some more information. <laughs> like well. You know, so one thing you can do is you can learn to meditate. And everybody who's into pickups heard about this, right? You learn to meditate. You learn how to become in the now. You learn how to stop the chatter, the the egoic chatter that's like blah, blah, blah. You know, you're going to embarrass yourself the last time you did this. So what if she says this? What if she's in a hurry? Da, 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 da. Because that voice, it'll make you crazy. It'll start going really, really fast. And because your brain is going really fast, your body starts to get the anxiety. And that's just the fight or flight reaction that humans get. You know, like if we were going to cross from one caveman tribe into another one because maybe we weren't happy in the caveman tribe, back to the biological evolutionary thing that PUAs love to talk about, 
we've all heard this, but it goes back to that. If we go to another tribe and the tribe doesn't accept us, you're going to have to fight the alpha male for supremacy. That's scary, man. Nobody wants to go fight the alpha male for fun. You know, you don't want to get killed, get your head bashed in. Can you explain this? Because I know exactly what you're talking about, but I know that a lot of our listeners actually are not familiar with this idea. Okay, so if we go back, uh, two caveman tribes, and one caveman is mad because the alpha male caveman gets all the women and he gets none, or he, he has all the resources, whatever that is. And he says, you know, fuck this, I'm out of here. And he goes to the next tribe, and the alpha male from that tribe is going to come out and challenge him. He's gonna, the alpha male is going to be like, why do you want to join my tribe? And, you know, he, that's when it's going to be either a fight to the death or you're going to become another beta in that tribe. So say you want to become the alpha of this new tribe, you're going to have to engage that new, that alpha male in combat. That's terrifying. And, you know, if you watch two dogs playing in a park, you'll always see one dog that will dominate the other dog. The dog will fall on its belly, wagging its tail, put its ears back. And you see how that, that's going down. So humans, it's almost like when you take a, a newbie and you ask them to go approach a woman, the same things are happening in his body as would be happening to that dog being dominated or a caveman going to a new cave tribe. The human body, as per a newbie, doesn't know the difference between a life and death situation and approaching a beautiful female. Because in our evolutionary biology, approaching that female who's not part of our tribe, we don't know her. It's a cold approach. That could mean death, you know? But the thing is, so what you need to do is desensitize yourself by doing it over and over and over, approaching these women and realizing nothing bad happens. The most, the worst thing that happens is they might give you a funny look or uh, the worst thing that would happen is she would tell you you're a creepy, weird guy, go away. But, or maybe a jealous boyfriend might come out from a uh, Starbucks and like, you know, scowl at you. But I mean, in eight years, I've never been in a fight. So what happens is actually eventually some, some woman's going to be into you. And she's going to give you her number or you're going to get a make out of the bar or something. You're going to be rewarded and your brain's going to pull out that plug from that evolutionary bullshit and plug it into a new paradigm that says, when you do this, you get rewarded and women like you and you're better. You're actually the alpha, you know? And so that will change your fight or flight or fight reaction to, um, instead of getting into a fear-based mode with the brain going crazy, you get like a burst of dopamine, you know? So you get a little bit of a natural high off of it, and it becomes very rewarding, and you want to do it more. And I've seen a lot of guys go from being really nervous newbies to um, pickup addicts or sex addicts, um, you know, or a lot of guys get girlfriends out of, out of the game. So, you know, my advice to the newbie is don't, think that your first five tries means anything at all. You have to pay your dues. And if you don't have the, the balls to pay your dues, then maybe this isn't for you. You know, hire a coach or do what you need to. But if you don't pay the price that we all have to pay, which is embarrassing yourself, putting yourself through the meat grinder and, and having some women laugh at you a few times or whatever, you know, then, I mean, if you can't even get up nuts to do that, then, you know, I don't have much to help you, you know, I can't really help you there. You just got to man up and do it. Tony, I would agree. I mean, a lot of guys obsess over perfection, right? And they get scared. And when it comes to approaching girls, they're looking for the perfect thing to say, the perfect thing to do, the way that they're never going to get rejected. But this really moves into all aspects of life. And if you look at anyone who's ever really been successful, they make lots of mistakes and they learn from them. Even when it comes to, for example, numbers, oftentimes we'll talk about two types of numbers. We'll talk about kind of your, your pure numbers. How many girls did you actually approach? How many girls did you 
actually ask for the phone number? How many girls did you actually get their phone number? How many of those girls actually met up with you? How many times did those interactions actually um, progress intimately or to sex or to a relationship? So what are your kind of pure numbers? And then your second set of numbers are your percentages, right? And as you get better, a higher percentage of the women that you approach will be receptive because your body language will get better, your eye contact will get better, uh, your emotional intelligence uh, with kind of space and how comfortable she feels and 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 how to, to lead an interaction will all get better. Uh, but your percentages in time will improve. And kind of as you said, a certain percentage of people are just going to be receptive, even if you're horrible, as long, especially if you are well-groomed and you're dressed okay. Yeah. Which is an easy fix. That's the easy fix. I do that a lot on day one. You know, I take a guy shopping. What What do you think are some? I mean, it's actually a great kind of transition. What do you think are some of the co- most common mistakes men make with their packaging or presentation? You know, honestly, I, one of my biggest pet peeves with men, other than the clothing, is is are their fingernails and nose hairs. God, nose hair is the killer. I would say fifty percent of my clients, even the the even the guys that come to me already well-dressed and cool have nose hairs judging out of their nose. Now, what's the first thing a woman's going to look at when you are talking to her is your face, and you've got nose hairs coming out. So I think a lot of guys are oblivious. They think it doesn't matter. You know, it does. Okay, guys, cut your damn nose hairs. Uh, if they're coming out of your nose, there's no sh- I think there's actually a shame. Because the first time I trimmed my nose hairs, the first time I actually shaved the hair on my chest and did some kind of effeminate grooming thing... I had this real like programming that I don't know where it came from, but it was like, this isn't masculine. This is a uh, gay or um, feminine. But what is the point of our journey? It's to, to get better with women. Right? So I said, you know what? I think this will help me be better with women. And I've spoken to many women about this and they're, they definitely like a, like a man who's well groomed. Not even, they're not even like I want a man who's in perfect shape. They're not like I want a man who has six pack abs. They're like, I want a guy who wears clean underwear. I want a guy who brushes his teeth. I want a guy who plucks his eyebrows when he has a unibrow and gets it waxed. Like they want that. <laughs> it so, seems so simple. It's so simple, but I have so many guys coming to me, and I actually got to the point where I pre-talk them on the phone. I say, if you show up on boot camp and you haven't trimmed your fingernails, I'm taking you to London Drugs, and the only fingernail clipper in the neighborhood downtown is $18. And you're going to spend $18 on nail clippers and another $15 on nose hair trimmers. So that's like 40 bucks you're going to drop right there if you don't come looking good. The second problem they have are usually the shoes and the pants. Um, you know, a lot of guys, they wear the, the striped, vertical striped shirts. Uh, you know, I call it like dude with no fashion sense shirt. It's like you go to a bar and you see like 15 guys along the wall and they all have white shirts with black vertical stripes. It's just the safe bet. I think most guys, their their fashion sense is like, this is what I'm comfortable in. This is the safe bet. But that actually makes you stand out more than if you actually tried buying a pair of shoes that had a different color or, you know, got a pair of pants that were a bit too skinny and they made you feel a little bit gay, you know. Because if you look at the gay culture, those those are the guys that the women stop and go, oh, wow, he's so good looking, you know, too bad he's gay. Gay men, they have to understand on a deeper level what makes men attractive. And they've refined the process just a lot more than most straight men have. 
because they're caught, they're competing against other men and they're highly aware of it because they're looking at them, right? Men are competing with other men for women, but they're not really looking at their competition. They're more focused on their objective. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Gay men tend to do a really good job of being well-groomed, being wearing clothes that fit their body, uh, staying in shape. One, one of my big pet peeves is walking into a, a seminar and seeing eight out of 10 guys with black shoes from Steve Madden. Yeah, that's funny because I, I have some black shoes from Steve Madden. The thing is, shoes can get expensive, right? So you want to buy black because it goes with everything sort of. But now, I've, I, since I got into a game, now actually I look at my shoe collection and I have like 14 pairs of shoes. I'm not even shitting. I'm a minimalist. I have two pairs of pants, two, like three shirts and 14 pairs of shoes. So, uh, you know, I've got my running shoes, um, my hiking shoes. I've got my travel shoes, which are uh, Merrell's that aren't the best looking, but I could go hiking with them or walk into a club with them. Man, the thing with shoes, I just tell guys until recently, but I used to say, don't wear your gym shoes. If you're going out to meet women, wear your gym shoes. When you go to the gym, you see these guys and they have these big, like, Nike double air pumps and they're like neon orange and blue with weird stripy things and meshes inside them. And it's like, it's like those are designed for you to work out and not break your ankle or something. They're not made for you to walk around the downtown of your town trying to pick up women because what happens is a woman looks at your shoes if they're dirty and filthy and she goes, he doesn't have any money. He's a loser. He's never had a girlfriend. So girlfriend would never allow him to wear those shoes. And so, you know, it's really, I just tell guys, like, basically, when I take them shopping, I take them into a store and I say, I want you to pick out, point to me, the, your favorite shoes and your least favorite shoes. And I'll let them, because, you know, when you're teaching somebody, you can go around telling somebody what to do. But really, you know, a good teacher is going to make the student use his own brain and then tell them if they're right or wrong. So, you know, I got guys, and what they'll do is they'll go over to the safest shoe. The one that fits in is usually like a skate shoe, or it's a business shoe that you would wear to the office if you were like 46 or something. And, and, and that's usually what most guys go to. And then I say, what if you tried on this one? And I'll get something that's a little bit different. And they're like, well, I don't know when I would wear that. And I say, I say like, how about right now? You know, we could walk out with this on. And then I'll just get them to try on the shoe or something. But, you know, there are lots of kind of shoes you can wear with different kinds of clothes. I mean, but women look straight at your shoes. <laughs> it's true. There's like a f- series of steps, I think, with fashion development. There's where most guys start, which is they dress in like very simple, plain colors in clothes that don't fit their body and things that are very safe and versatile. Right. And I think that there is maybe a place for some of those things. Uh, but the next step I see is, and it's a dramatic improvement for a lot of men is they start wearing stuff that fits their body, right? They start wearing clothes that fit their body. Maybe, I mean, as you said, a little bit skinnier jeans, uh, shirts that kind of fit their body, whatever they're fitting, they're wearing clothes that fit their body and they're starting to become aware of maybe colors and maybe how to stand out a little bit, make some choices that are a little bit less safe, but still emotionally intelligent within the context of what they're wearing the clothes to. Yeah, an old, an, old, an old saying I used to hear is that if you're not being complimented on your fashion, then you don't have any fashion. And for my own, for myself, I found that to be true. Like when I moved to Montreal, um, and I talk about this in my book, I chronicle everything in A Thousand Tiny Failures from my very 
first girlfriend to um, being a professional coach, but what I'm talking about in this book, when I get to Montreal and some girl on a bicycle stops her bike and makes fun of my shoes and then rides away. And I'm like, what was that a shit test? But you know, I had some ugly Adidas gym shoes that were just the same shoes that anybody that wants to be safe and fit in would buy. And I realized, you know, being in Montreal, which is a very fashionable city that like I would need to up my game. I want to stand out here and to be attractive with women, you have to stand out. Fitting in won't get you shit. So I'm not a fashionista by any means, you know. I'm not, I'm not like, I don't walk into the room and everybody's like, wow, look at that guy. But women started, after I changed my style, women started saying like, oh, wow, I really like your shirt or I really like your shoes or I really like your style. And, of course, that builds your confidence too, right? So when I take a client and I take him into, he looks like, a, like shit, and I walk him into Zara, you know, it's not expensive, but Vancouver is not a fashionable place. But so I take him to Zara, and then I, or Simon's, and then, and then you know I, I, he spends two hundred bucks, and we walk out wearing the new clothes, and I see that it's not even that he's dressed differently; it's that he feels differently. And women just start looking at him. I've seen it time and time again over the last five years. It's like you put out that vibe that you know, oh, something's new about me. I'm not the same guy anymore, right? You can get addicted to buying new clothes too. You can't let that build your confidence too much. But you know, it's not a. It's, it's, it's just the icing on the cake as far as learning how to get good with women is concerned, but it matters a lot for a new guy. I, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I'm not a fashionista either. I, I mean, I said those two, first two phases and the third phase is uh, expression through your clothes where guys really start learning to express themselves through their choices. And that's where you start getting the real benefits. But I'm like mostly, you'll see guys will see me in my videos or whatever. I'm like a black t-shirt, blue jeans type of guy, but my clothes fit my body. I stay in good shape. I'll wear boots or in the summer I'll wear um, like boat shoes or something like different, but it works for me. I don't have crazy spiky hair, crazy haircut, kind of like a traditional men's haircut, but the stuff that you're talking about is so important. Getting into shape, staying in shape, uh, having good grooming, we also talk a lot about body language, eye contact, some other concepts. Beyond fashion and grooming, what are the most important elements for a guy who wants to do well approaching women? Eye contact. I mean, the biggest problem that every newbie that I've worked with has is vocal tonality. So, you know, if I don't mind referencing other companies, but there's a product called Flawless Natural by RSD Tim. And in that product, he does a little diagram of uh, three vocal tonalities, one that goes straight called neutral rapport, one that's breaking called breaking rapport, and one that's seeking. And seeking rapport sounds like, hi, how are you? Oh, that's cool. And it's this really annoying upwards inflection. It just sounds like a question mark. And I'll pre-talk with guys and say, look, this is what's going to happen as soon as you get into a set, into an interaction. Your voice is going to get your 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 um because your brain is going into hyperactive uh, Millennium Falcon and warp drive. Your body is going to squeeze up. It's almost like if I took a axe and I held it over your head, your whole body would shrink down. So you want to protect yourself. That's happening inside your body. And so when that happens, your voice gets tight and it starts to go like this. And so I tell them this, and then you know I'll stand right beside them when they're talking to women on the street, and I hear it still, and I say, "Did you know you were doing that?" And then most people don't even realize that they're doing it. So I think like the biggest issue is not fixing something in one day, but bringing awareness to these little things that you wouldn't normally know notice about yourself. Or with eye contact, a lot of guys they I'll watch them talking to a woman, and I'll say, "Did you know that you broke eye contact 14 times?" 
And they'll go, no, no, I didn't even realize it. And I say, how many times do you think she broke eye contact with you? And they'll be like, none. And I'm like, none, not once. All right. And so what I'll actually do is I'm pretty stealth, but I'll get my iPhone and I'll stand right beside them and I'll videotape them on my iPhone. And then I'll show them later these little things and uh, I'll get them to put their iPhone on record and put it in their pocket and then we'll listen to their vocal tonality after the fact. And um, what happens is it doesn't take long once guys become conscious of these things to fix them. Because I say in day game, the most important thing for a newbie is to look normal. That's to not look nervous, to not have a weird vocal tonality and, and just be a normal guy who's just coming up and introducing himself. And, um, you know, I think guys are way too focused on running mad games saying funny things. And I see guys that spend too much time with RSD stuff trying to do day game. I know this because I was just in Montreal running a boot camp and the RSD seminar. I love RSD. I'm not shitting on them, but RSD seminar was going on and they mostly teach this hyperactive night game stuff. And all these guys were running around the streets on Montreal and St. Catharines and they were like just going up to women and just being so aggressive and saying all this really weird stuff that might be kind of funny in a bar, but it was just weirding chicks out and pissing and so I grabbed a bunch of these guys and I said, look, you just got to be normal. Like, just be normal. And I even demonstrated to them just being a gentleman. And being a gentleman in the day, that works really well. And, you know, then when you get a bit better at it, you can be cocky and funny and all that. But basically, yeah, eye contact, vocal tonality, stand with your hands straight at your sides. And guys go, what's good body language? And I stand with my hands straight down, pointing at the ground and my chin just level, and uh, I put a guy's back against the wall, and I make his shoulders straight. Uh, I will give him to walk one step off the wall, and I say, don't move, stand right there. I say, that's good body language, right there. And that's usually what will get guys results in the day game, is if they can just be that guy. I think RSD does a lot of things really well. I've watched more guys who are terrified approaching women get over their fear of approaching women by just going through RSD stuff. But one of the things I've also found is a lot of their students are the most socially retarded people that I've ever worked with. Okay, so I, I grew up, like, in, I got into the game in 2006, and that's when RSD and Mystery were just taken off, really. But, you know, I went through all the Jeffy stuff, and I was a lot like Jeffy. I mean, if you read my book, my book, my character, I've kind of fictional, fictionalized it, but it is a very debaucherous story. Like, my character's doing drugs and fucking swearing and getting in fights and just being completely dramatic. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that I wanted to be a PUA rock star, you know? And that was like, you know, I, I was really into Jeffy and Jeffy was very much promoting, I don't give a fuck, you know, that whole mentality of I don't give a fuck. And I think it's great for guys to learn how to free themselves like that. But as a coach who is being paid thousands of dollars to get someone dates, I actually, <laughs> you know, I actually see these guys doing this stuff. And I say, you know what, I like this journey you're going on, but if you really want to get girls, like pretty girls that are classy, you got to stop doing that weird stuff that you're doing. And let's just make you really normal. We'll get you back to ground zero starting point. And then you can add flair slowly rather than bursting out of the gates being like, oh, you're a dog, uh, you know, get on your knees and bark, <laughs> right, in the middle of a mall. Anyone who is really self-confident and someone tells them, get on your knees and bark like a dog, they're going to be like, what the fuck is wrong with this dude? And then they're going to walk away and uh, you will be ostracized for the rest of your life. Just like learning to be normal will get you so far, but not just a normal, learning to assert yourself as a man, finding your voice in your masculinity. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like here's a story, just an anecdote. I, I was at a bar teaching once with a... My friend was teaching, a guy who works for Love Systems, actually. Um, 
uh, I won't say his name, but he was a professional, and he had a student in a in an interaction with this hot blonde girl. It was a dive bar. She was wearing like a leather jacket. She's kind of a bad girl, and um, she was just railing on this student. She's just like, "Why are you talking to us? Like we're busy." Uh, you know, can't you see that we're not, you know, you're, we're out of your league and just destroying this guy. Right. And my friend Chris was kind of like trying to engage her. And, and, uh, anyway, they left, <laughs> they were like, whatever, let's move on. And I was standing there and I was listening to this woman rail on this guy. I looked at her and I said, shut the fuck up with your daddy issues. And I said that, right. And so, but the thing is this wasn't a tactic. This wasn't something that I was doing because, uh, you know, I, I wanted to, like, seduce her. But what I was actually doing, why I was doing that was because I just wanted to knock her down around and be like, you know what, I see what you're doing, but I'm better at it than you, right? And so, so she, everybody laughed, and it went kind of quiet, like, oh, and everybody kind of dispersed. I just stood there, and I didn't look at her. I just, you know, kept sipping on my beer. And then I and then I heard this. Well, I looked around back at her, and she goes, "So are you, are you going to make out with me or what?" And I was like, "This actually, I test a lot of my students. I say, what would you do in this situation?" And a lot of guys they go, "Oh, well, I would say like that depends on how much money you have or some cost your response." And I'm like, "No, no, no." I said, "Yeah, of course." I, I didn't say anything. I just grabbed her and started making out with her, right? Because that was a big green light, but. Well, no, seriously, a lot of pickup stuff, it'll be like, no, this means you got to play hard to get. But I learned from experience that when you get, like, a very, when you get a woman like that just saying, like, are you going to make out with me? Are you going to have sex with me? Like, to treat it like an adult conversation at that point. But she was just waiting for some guy to come along and dominate her a little bit. That's all it was. It wasn't a personal attack on her or anything. I just knew that's what she wanted. I would say that one of the biggest myths I hear in a male-female dynamics is that women don't know what they want or don't say what they want. And it's complete bullshit. Women will tell you exactly what they want. They'll be a lot less assertive than men will. They're less likely to start a conflict. Um, but they will tell you exactly what they want if you listen. And if, as a man, if you learn not to push your anxieties and issues on them and you just learn to kind of do your thing, pursue the things that you want, like uh, have a vision for yourself, whatever, all the things that are necessary for kind of being a man, but you are aware of what they do, what they say, how they react. I mean, you don't let it dictate your life, but if you you pay attention, you will find that women will tell you exactly what they need from you. You don't want to go around like running around trying to live your life appeasing them, but this idea of even moving things sexual, in this case, she gave you the opportunity to, opportunity to move things sexually and... When a woman says something like that, yeah, 100%, she's given you this opportunity to move things sexual. And I would say the biggest mistake men make in this situation is what you're saying. She's upped the level of sexuality between you and interaction. And as a man, your job now is to take it one step further now that she's created that opportunity as opposed to deflate it. And I agree with you, a lot of guys try to revert to cocky, funny, ignore it. And it's the wrong choice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's funny because you've seen the changes, how it went from cocky, funny, to mystery method, to RSD natural method, to indirect day game, to some of the British guys are doing really gentleman game. And, you know, this stuff changes all the time. And, and I find whenever the new thing is out, the newbies come in and they take it really very dogmatically. It's like, this is the way it has to be. And if you don't, you know, you always break rapport on a compliment or they'll pick some, some something and they'll dogmatically follow it. 
Now, like, that's one of the things of my book, or parts, parts of my novel, A Thousand Honey Failures, was about how you learn from your mistakes and also to never dogmatically believe in things. Like, don't just believe it because your favorite guru said this is the way it is. A good teacher will really help you to understand that there is no real correct way to do things. There's only, like, a, if you want to be good with women, it's about your belief in yourself and even knowing when you're wrong or knowing when you could do something a different way. And, you know, one day you might want to be the guy at the club who's really cocky and who's, you know, slapping girls on the butts and being kind of a jerk. And the next day you might want to go up in the daytime and be the, you know, the confident lawyer who wears a suit and he's always polite, you know. Like, it doesn't matter. You you can do it any way you want as long as you're having fun with it. And, uh, you know, you're following through the basic fundamentals of, like, you know, make sure you're always closing, make sure you have good body language and, and those things. Then you can kind of play whatever character you want. You're going to find a girl who is going to feel you no matter what. It's so random. The universe is so chaotic. Tony, this has been absolutely great. I got to wrap this up because I'm a little bit over on time, but thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. This has been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully we can get you to come back on here and maybe take some questions from the audience or we'll do another one of these things. But this has been wonderful. And if you're listening and you want to learn more about Tony's books, his coaching, the kind of stuff that he does. We're going to post some links on the Craft Christmas website and within the description of this podcast so that you can find out about him more easily. Hey, thanks so much, man. Hey, thanks a lot for your time. It's dating coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.